It is good to see you on this. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Um, it is good whenever we are gathered here together to worship. That makes it wonderful and joyful all by itself just to have us gathered in this place to celebrate the presence of God. And so may the peace of Christ be with you. So let's just send everybody signals of, ha I was going to say happy birthday, but I'm not meaning that. Um, hi, everybody. Yeah, I know. I told her it wouldn't go more public than that. So that's my, my uh, nod. One of the most exciting things about our gathered community is um, the things that we get to be in ministry about and for, and one of the greatest of those is our children and youth ministry. So just watch this. Rachel Kinkubiak from Northern Castle News. And our top story today is about a local church who's making a comeback in children's ministries after a devastating year without in-person VBS. Due to past COVID-19 restrictions, the church was forced to do online vacation Bible school, which turned out to be a great success. We have been informed that with new COVID-19 guidelines, in-person vacation Bible school will be resuming. We go live with our field reporter, Paige Bull. To learn more about this year's Vacation Bible School, over to Paige at Pendleton Center Church. Thank you, Rachel. I'm here with two of Pendleton Church's very own leaders, Joseph Bull and Seth Parsons. They're going to tell us why this year's Vacation Bible School is so cool. Well, Paige, you see, this year we are very excited because we just don't have one. We have two weeks of VBS this year. Everyone can just pick whatever week they can come. When will this be? This will be from, our first one will be at August 2nd through the 6th, and the second will be from August 9th through the 13th. Is there like a theme or anything the kids at home might want to know? <laughs> I'm so glad you asked, and I'm honored to introduce it to you. This year's theme, one of the best yet, I may add, is Knights of the Northern Castle. And our man here, Sparky, our fire-breathing dragon, who can also fly, is going to be in attendance. We will be having medieval winter decorations, and Sparky will be there all day long to hang out with the kids, not breathe fire on them. He is very safe. He, he's a very well-trained dragon, and he keeps his fire inside of him when he needs it to be in there. That sounds like everybody's gonna love it. Now back to the studio, where we have guests Sarah Kinkubiak and Caitlin Sosnowski. Thanks Paige, so Sarah, what will the kids be doing while they are at VBS? Well, we have games, story, dancing, science, crafts, music. Whoa! Hold your horses there, young lady. That's a lot of stuff. How do you have time for all of those activities? It takes a lot of hard work and dedication. Now, I must ask, what is it exactly that the kids will be learning about on their adventure to the North Castle? Well, Rachel, throughout the week, kids will be learning how to armor up with God. Is there anything else you could tell us? Sure, kids will be learning from Ephesians 6.10. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Thanks, guys. BBS sounds great. Now we return to Paige at Peddler Church for one last bit about registration. Paige? Thank you, Rachel. I have heard so much about this vacation Bible school. I definitely want to sign up, but how do I do that? Well, first you're going to need to choose one in only one week to join us. And then you can register on our website, PendletonChurch.org. Remember, registration is absolutely required this year. Anyone can join us who has completed kindergarten up to sixth grade. And spots are limited, so make sure you get in there as soon as possible. That's all we have for you today on Northern Castle News. Next up on Channel 3, we bring worship with your gracious host, Pastor Kathy. Thanks for watching, everybody. We hope to see you guys there.
They are an incredible bunch, aren't they? Uh, we are a church that is very, very blessed. We are beginning today um, a series, and as you see over here, um, this heart, the series is Drawn in Creativity, and the first week is Dream. And our plan is to talk about dreaming and how that impacts what we do and how we do it and where our heart and our spirit and our passion is. So I am grateful that we will get to do this together. All creation began with the dream of God, the will and intention for life to exist in the void. All of our actions are born out of desire, out of a dream and a vision for the future. That is what God made us to be. That's how our birthright is to out of a dream and a vision and are to imagine and create, even for people who don't think of themselves as creative. So the question is, what is it that brings you alive? What is it that fires all the cylinders in your head, in your heart, in your body, and your spirit? What truly moves your soul in the deepest way? What you create out of that answer is your creative gift to the world. And the way in which you are a part of God's unfolding and ongoing creative dream. You, each and every one of us, are a part of that. Would you join me in this congregational prayer? Creating God, you called forth all that exists in a moment of divine brilliance. Open us again to that spark which you ignited in each of us at our creation so that we might generate more life-giving energy in this world. Draw us into your story of hope. Give us the courage to dream. Amen. We're going to do um, a response. Your part is let us be drawn in. I'll say the other part and your line. It's easy. Let us be drawn in. In the world of the driven, let your love be a given. To imagine, to dream, to create, to redeem. Oh, for the sake of the living. Sorry, I messed it up. Wait a minute, let's stop. To imagine, to dream, to create, to redeem for the sake of the living. Amen. So God gave John Wesley a dream, and that's why we're all sitting here today, as the father of Methodism. And his brother, Charles, was a prolific poet and wrote over 6,500 hymns. So the hymn that we're going to sing today actually had 18 stanzas. We're going to sing four. <laughs> so don't worry. I invite you to stand as we sing, Oh, for a Thousand Tongues to Sing, to commemorate his conversion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Good morning. Let us be drawn in by the power of God. Before our offering this morning, I want to share a story with you that happened this week. Um, Part of my time when I'm not at church or with my children is volunteering at Clara's Closet. And Clara's Closet is where refugees and immigrants can come and go shopping. My brother, Greg Steerheim, runs Wesley's Place, which is a non-traditional church in the Buffalo Medical Corridor. And part of what Greg's job is, is to work at Children's Hospital. And Greg is on the cancer floor. And I got a call from him, and he said, I have a family that we need to help. And I said, what can I do to help you? And he said, this woman and her two-year-old son and her sister came over from the Congo, and they escaped to Mexico, and somehow they crossed the border, they ended up in Buffalo, and the two-year-old has spinal cancer. And I said, okay, we can pray for them. And Greg said, they only have the clothes that they left with on their backs. So I wanted to share that with you, not because it's a story um, of how God works, but it's a story of how our churches and the money that we give to our churches fund things like Wesley's Place, like our Vacation Bible School, like the many ministries that this church has. We have a a homeless outreach. Um, And so giving and giving to God and celebrating what God has given back to us is what we should do each Sunday. And so I invite you to have this time of prayer and to think of how you can give back. Thank you. pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gifts that you bestow on us. We ask that you accept our gifts in return. Help us to think of others. Help us to help others in their needs and do your work here on earth. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So I forgot in all of my excitement to tell you that story, that Claire's Closet provided the clothing and shoes for the family. Um, So we were able to do that. So part of the money that they get, um, we collect clothes and everything, and and it went to the family. So we want to share a reading with you today. 
There's a vitality by Martha Graham. There's a vitality, a life force, an energy, a quickening that is translated through you into action. And because there is only one of you in all of the time, this expression is unique. And if you block it, the world will not have it. It is not your business to determine how good it is or how valuable, nor how it compares with other expressions. It's your business to keep it yours, cleanly and directly, to keep the channel open, whether you choose to take an art class, keep a journal, record your dreams, dance your story, or live each day from your own creative source. Above all else, keep the channel open. Morning, church. We come now to our time of prayer, our time for our conversation with God. As we have walked this week, we know that God has been good and God has been with us. Amen? And in all the ways we know that to be true, we know that conversation keeps us sustained when the road gets a little, tr little tougher, when things get a little more challenging. We also know that when things are good, that God's presence with us is a reason we have to praise, we have to shout, we have to give God the glory he deserves for the good things God is doing in our lives. Amen? And so as we come now to that time of prayer, this is where we come together as God's people, God's family, and also open our hearts, laying down the challenges, lifting up the blessings. Let's pray to God. Gracious and loving God, we are grateful Grateful for all of the ways you have made yourself known to us in this journey this week. Because we know that all that we have and all that we are has flown from you. You started all of this with your great dream. The idea that we could know love and share love and be loved in return. And as we have walked this life, coming to know you, joining you in your mission and doing your work. You have blessed our lives beyond measure, beyond, beyond compare. And we are thankful. As we come this morning, Lord, we know that it is you. You with all your creative power and creative energy that has given us the great beauty that we are able to enjoy with our eyes the great things we are able to experience, the flowers in a garden or the smells from a kitchen, the great things we are able to feel and touch and experience in so many ways, all started with your creative dream. That we, your people, are truly amazed by the ways in which you continue to show us new and good things. Lord, as we come today, we are also grateful for the ways in which you have chosen to use us. Chosen to use us to put new things into the world. Ways in which we share our stories, ways in which we add beauty to the great tapestry you have already woven for us to be a part of. And Lord, as we continue our journey, even with all these great things Happening to us, we know that there are moments and situations that come up that challenge us. Whether those challenges take the form of a need for physical healing, whether that's a broken heart that needs to be put back together because of a relationship that has ended, or grief, or somehow a partnership is not working as planned, Lord God, you know what needs to be done. Lord, as we also experience larger problems around us, those who are in deep need, whether it be for food or for shelter, whether it be a need for justice around the world, whether it be ongoing struggles against violence. Lord God, we know that you see these things and know all things, but use us. However you choose to intervene, however you choose to make things right, we, your people, cry out because we know that there are things that are far bigger than all of us. And you, you in all your great mercy and love and grace, 
does not desire to see any of your children suffer. So, Lord, as we come today, hear our prayer. Hear our prayer as it rises to you with the gratitude that we feel so deeply. Hear it as it rises with the need we express so genuinely. And, Lord, also receive it because it comes with love, the love that we feel for you that we cannot express in words. But, Lord, you know our hearts, so we know that you hear our prayer, and we offer it in the name of the one who makes all things possible, our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Good morning. Our scripture reading this morning is from the book of Luke, chapter 4, verses 13 through 21. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. How many of you would consider yourselves to be creative? Anybody? Now, it's interesting that people are sort of, they're doing this kind of hand-raising. Like, it's a non-committal hand-raising. Yes, there you go. So, I used to think, well, I'm not creative, artistic. I don't have any of those skills. Why did I say that? Because I couldn't play the piano. I couldn't play any other instrument. If you saw me in the fourth grade playing the violin, I was the one who went up when the person ahead of me went up and down when they went down. Didn't matter what string it was on, just up and down in line with the person in front of me. I couldn't dance. Still can't dance unless I'm with my husband doing a couple's dance. I can't sing solo. There's so many things that I couldn't do that I decided for myself I was not creative. Well, God has a lot stronger opinions about things than we do sometimes. And God has shown me over all these years that there are different ways of being creative. There are people who are mathematicians and engineers. I'm not any of those either, but people who do those kinds of things who can create amazing things because they know how this connects to that to make this happen. But often people in those fields don't consider themselves to be creative. Um, My own sense has unfolded by creating space with the help of Dorothy Glosser's quilt um, and using words to paint a picture or to create Uh, a sense of space and um, belonging. And so when we look at this particular passage from Luke and we think, all right, last week we talked about the second part of this passage when the people in Nazareth were like, he's just a kid. He's like 
Joseph. You remember Joseph? You remember Joseph and Mary? He's just their son. Like, he goofed around with us when he was a teenager, just like we goofed around. Why should we listen to him? What does he have to say? But in this passage, we hear before this that when the scroll was given to him and he read it and he was, the response before that when he was preaching in the temple was that they were amazed by him. They were moved by what he had to say. And then as he reads this passage and it gets to the end, all eyes fixed on him. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing, which meant that what I have spoken, what Jesus has said, is the truth. The truth for now, the truth for tomorrow, the truth for always, which is he has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, let the oppressed go free, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, we go through some of this every single week when we do communion. It's a part of the communion liturgy to talk about what God sent Jesus to do. And then in our own ways, we are then called to do those same things. But these stories said something to the people who were listening that they didn't want to hear. And that was God sent Isaiah to tell the story about um, the woman, Naaman, from Syria. And he, she was cured of leprosy. And so involved were also um, Elijah, his protege, Elisha, and they were the ones who actually did this healing. And part of what Jesus was saying when he said, this is now a reality was, it's our work. And what that meant, that woman was an outsider. She wasn't a member, signed up, tithing member of the synagogue. She was somebody nobody knew. And yet she was healed of leprosy. So what Jesus is trying to tell them is, it's not just about us. It's not just about the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the people who have followed all the rules and read Leviticus and they know it front to back. It's for everyone, this invitation to set people free from whatever holds them captive. It's not just being in jail. Jesus did not sort of congratulate them on, you follow rules A through Z, you get a gold star. It's not that he didn't have an appreciation for the Levitical laws. It's that it was more than that. It was more than that. It was more than that. It was love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, your mind, and love your neighbor, whether you've ever met them or not, as you love yourself. And they became uncomfortable. And they were backing up, probably not as carefully basically were like, what are you talking about? You want us to be in ministry with people who might be unclean, who might not have followed the rules, who might not actually even be Jewish? Are you kidding me? And then they didn't like what he had to say anymore. And they just kind of wished that he would go back with Satan and fall off a cliff. We, sometimes when we hear these messages about freeing the people who are captive, feeding the hungry, sheltering the homeless, all that stuff, because we talk about it, and we do a lot of it. But we sometimes, in our minds, take the whole thing, like all of it, And what that does is it overwhelms us so much that we actually don't do any of it. I mean, we do. But some people are so overwhelmed by the needs of the world, and if they don't see them in their 360-degree turn around their own life, then they must not be out there because it's too big. It's too hard. 
And God never created us, not one of us, to take on the whole list. God never created each of us or any one of us to take on the whole list. So that's where the dreaming part comes in. The way we live God's dream is not to take on every single issue that God considers important. Because I'm thinking if you took both your hands and all your toes, however many you have of all of those, and counted them, you could probably get through 20 of God's concerns in our world right now and still have many more to go. So, rather, what we do is we get in touch with what is it that God has called us to do? What is God's dream for you? for me, for any one of us, for the people we haven't met yet, for the people online, for the people in small groups, for the people who find their way into any kind of connection with this church. I hear bells. The reality is, and I've talked to high school students who are looking at going to college, and they wonder, how do I know which one? or a trade school, or a job, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be one of those exact things. How do I know what's right? And I say a couple of things. One is, you're only 17. You don't have to have it all figured out. You're only 17. You may be 18. You may even have started college. But part of what I encourage students to do, whether it's a job or college, or whatever it might be, is to go try it on. That doesn't mean go sign up for classes and decide if you like it and then quit. We parents aren't really supportive of that plan, but sometimes it happens. What I mean is go walk around the campus, go into the classrooms, meet some of the people, or just people watch. Go to wherever people eat and just watch the people. Sit in on a class. How does it feel? Do you feel yourself in there, or do you feel like it's, it doesn't fit? It doesn't fit. I, who grew up in my last years of high school out in the country, was determined, determined. My parents knew I was determined to go to UB or Buff State. Buff State had the special ed program that I wanted, and I was going to go there because it was in the city. I was going to live in the city. And the other choice was Geneseo. So I went to Buff State. I was like, where's the grass? Is there a park nearby? Now, I didn't have you, Scott. You were, you might have been born, but we'll leave it at that. It wasn't right for me. It felt wrong. And realized that being in the city wasn't all there was, especially if that wasn't comfortable in terms of any way that it felt. No class, no person, no dining hall. Nothing about it made it feel like I belong here. So on we went to Geneseo, and I found my home and my husband and lifelong friends and an education that was wonderful, and community that was outstanding. That is where I found my faith. I don't know what would have happened if I'd gone to Buff State. God has a way of working in all circumstances, but that's what happened to me when I found my place. But it's not just about finding our places. It's about finding out what our passion is, what sets us on fire, a friend of mine from seminary who was from the Pacific Northwest talked about um, a car repair place called Simba's. Um, I don't know if that was from The Lion King or what that might have been about, but called Simba's. And Simba's, the two brothers that ran this auto repair business, were the kind of people that fixed your car and sent you off essentially with a blessing. People actually hoped that some little thing would be wrong with their car so they could go experience what they did at Simba's. One person who wrote um, 
uh, a review on Simba's wrote that she took her car there with one small problem and when she went to pick it up that little problem was fixed and they saw another problem which they fixed and it wasn't charged to her bill. Now who wouldn't love an automotive shop like that? If anybody knows one, I got a couple of dents that need to be taken care of. They called this the Simba way. And when this friend of mine was telling me how the writer about the Simba auto repair shop, when they went looking for why is it this way? Why do people feel this way about this place? The brothers said, when we work on a car, when we fix or repair a car, brakes, Whatever, whatever it might be, in our minds, it's as if God Almighty was going to be sitting in the driver's seat and driving that car out of the shop. So what we do is based on our faith. And if we can imagine Jesus driving that car out of the shop, then why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we pour our hearts and our spirits into what we do? Because that's why we do it. Maybe you know people who are like that too. I've had the opportunity to have a couple of physicians who are like that. And I know they're on a 15-minute clock. But I've had a couple of them that they might even only use 15 minutes. But when you're with them, you are the only patient in the world. One of them happens to be at the University of Rochester Medical Center and her mother's a pastor and she doesn't um, talk about faith when we're together but she treats me as though I were Jesus sitting there and Jesus had some kind of medical problem. Looking and caring and seeing and in some way that's not physical, holding whatever I bring to that space. So we each have that kind of place. Sometimes we have to be the archaeologist and the anthropologist to go looking for what it is because it might be that your ministry may not be standing up here doing this. It might be and if you ever want to try it, just talk to one of us because we share, right? But not everybody's called to this ministry. But everybody has one. So maybe one of you is a minister of nursing. Maybe one of you is a ministry of teaching, a minister of teaching. Maybe one of you is a minister of carpentry and um, house building and um, math and science and all of those things, gardening. Maybe one of you or many of us are ministers of grandparenting. And how our heart shines when we are in that place where we know ourselves to be. And if you ever want to see it, I can see it in many of you, but you can see it in the Hendersons. They got their grandchildren with them this morning, and whenever they talk about their grandchildren, they light up, especially if they're coming. Our work in this life is to sort out what brings me life. And if I ask a person to serve in a specific capacity in this church, Part of the conversation has to be, is it going to give you life or is it going to burden you? Is it going to take life away from you? Now, given that, let me just say that there, we talk in our small group, there's a caveat here. The toilets have to be cleaned. The lawn has to be mowed. Those might not be the shiny things in any of your life, right, Rich? But that doesn't mean they don't need to be done. Some of your jobs might have parts of that that do not set you on fire. 
but a person who is able to match up what God has called them to do with the job, the career, the profession that they get into, it isn't even work. It's so wonderful that they think about it at night, not because they have to, but because they're already dreaming up what's going to be next or how they're going to fix something. Whereas the person who finds themselves in a place where none of their God-given gifts are used finds themselves spending 90% of their time thinking about how to get out of the 10% of work that they do. Our companies, corporations, people who do research, they've proven that if people find meaningful purpose in their life, they will give it everything they have. If people do not find meaningful purpose in their life, they will feel lost and unattached because they're not doing what it is that God gifted them to do. One of the privileges that I've had has been to nurture and usher people who are called into ministry into the life of being a pastor, if that's what they're called to do. Part of that process is celebrating just as much the people who can say, I don't think this is what I'm called for. Well, thank you, Jesus, for the ways in which we can discover what we're not called to. But the people who find that it is what they're called to and that being ordained, being licensed, being um, able to serve in this type of pastoral ministry, for the first few years you'll often hear them say, I can't believe I get paid to do this. I won't say that lasts a lifetime because there are parts of ministry that are really really hard, just like there are parts of what you do that are really, really hard. But if we can satisfy our needs to pay our bills, to have a place to live, to have food on the table, then we can begin to do the work that God called us to do. So this week about dreaming, it isn't for the young only. It isn't for the college age only or high school. It isn't for the young adults only. It is for them, but it is for all of us. I can tell you stories of people who were ordained and retired in the same year because they were ordained at 72 at mandatory retirement age. Now, they still served in retirement, but what it meant was that they would not give up on the fire that God had lit in their lives, no matter how long it took. And as I said last night, and will keep saying, if I look across the sanctuary, and please God, let this always be true in church, and none of you are dead, none of you appear to be dead, then be alive. And if you aren't alive doing what you're doing, then let's do the work to figure out what will bring you alive. Because the resurrection isn't just from dead to alive. It's from lost, or not belonging, or not finding your place, or not using the gifts that God had given you. Not living into the dream that maybe you don't even know you have. So as a church, our calling in this is to be a place where people look and find the dreams that God has for them. We do it in our children's ministry, in our youth ministry. We hope to do it in young adult ministry. And my hope and prayer is that we will do it on an ongoing basis wherever we are together. That we might be knock, knock, knocking on the door, that behind that door is what God, what God is asking you to find. Not more work, but more joy, more sense of purpose, and a sense of passion for the gift that only you have been given. If you heard what Jennifer said, you are the only you, and only you have been given what you 
Thanksgiving. One of the most creative things that Jesus did in his ministry was draw people into fellowship around a meal. His actions were not what people were used to. He invited everyone to the table. Perhaps he sensed that when the food and drink is filling our bodies, people's guards come down just a little bit and they see their common humanity in their common hungry bodies. Perhaps it's a good model for us to think about how this community of faith might look at finding new ways of sharing meal with our neighbors. So we come to the table to be reminded of this radical, hospitable, creative Jesus that we follow. And we follow his example welcoming all who are hungry for God's love, for fellowship, for connection, for inspiration, for new and everlasting life in Christ. So now let us enter into our consecration time together. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. God set in motion the grandest creativity project of all. Light where there was no light, waters and land, creatures on foot and on wings, beauty and laughter, and God called it good. Out of that goodness we came, each blessed with the gifts of the creator. We were invited to begin our lives of creating, making, building, crafting, and fashioning. Sometimes we get sidetracked and we forget this calling. We destroy instead of building up. But you, God, you keep repairing our lives, calling us again and again into the joy of a relationship with you. And so we proclaim our praise with the saints of all time and place, saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Your creativity knows no bounds. And in the fullness of time, you came to us fashioned in our own flesh and blood. In sending Jesus, you created human and holy connection and showed us what love looks like in public, preaching good news to the poor, proclaiming release to the captives, recovering sight to the blind, setting at liberty those who are oppressed. Jesus promised to continue this work through a new covenant of creativity sending his spirit to remain and move in and through us. And on the night he gave himself up for us, Jesus took bread. He gave thanks to you. He broke the bread. And he said, take and eat. Because this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup. He gave thanks to you, and he gave it to his disciples, and he said, take and drink from this, all of you. This is my blood, a sign of the new covenant, poured out for the forgiveness of sins for you and for many. As often as you drink this, do it in remembrance of me. And so what shall we do? I'd like you to repeat after me, as an example, we will break ourselves open, we will break ourselves open. 
we will pour ourselves out in food for the hungry and love for the stranger. Just as Christ offered for all, so too shall we. We will rise to new life and commit to create we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us in this moment so that we may know your presence and power in our lives. Make us one so that we can be used to create your reign on earth as it is in heaven. This bread and the fruit of the vine. Fill us with your spirit for the work and play of loving creation and each other fully. And now, with the confidence of God, let us pray together the prayer that our Lord taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. free. The gluten-free is Becky and Linda, and they're going to be in the center here, okay? So as you are compelled by the Spirit, come forward. From the disposable cups as well, if you are more comfortable with that.
Praise God that he does work in all circumstances. Uh, scripture that comes to mind is, for he knows the plans he has for us. Plans for us to prosper, not to harm us. Plans to give us a hope and a future. And as I've had the opportunity to now listen to everything that's been said for two days, different things struck me this morning. And... I think about the fact that in my own situation, I had a dream that died due to illness, and slowly and carefully and very patiently, and sometimes with a little swift kick, God has revealed a new dream for me, and I know he can do that for each and every one of us, so my prayer for each and every one of you would be that you find that way to contribute to this body of Christ that brings you life, whether it's big or small. And this morning, I'm going to invite you to stand as Tom leads us in Lord Reign in Me. And the other thing that really struck me this morning being said was keep the channel open. So I invite you to stand. Lord Reign in Me. Sunset sky, but my one request, but my only aim is that you reign in me again. Lord, reign in me, reign in your power over all my dreams. In my darkest hour, you are the Lord of all I am. So won't you reign in me again? 
the song says, won't you reign in me again over my darkest hour? We are not only the place to dig and find the dream that God has for us, but to hold the broken dreams until we can dream again. That is the God who made us to be with one another, to hold the dream broken and to build up the dreams found. May that be the power and the glory and the peace and the comfort that goes with you today. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.